Daniel, we're here. Hello, we are here. Not Alex, though, because he Not abandoned Alex. us. He's, what, he's, do you uh, What's, what is he doing? Did he even say? It's something with the Varsity Blues. Yeah. But I'm not sure if it's at Varsity Arena or he's traveling. I don't know why I have this image that Alex, as he tells us he can't make it, he's on like the team bus. <laughs> yeah, probably. Be like, yeah, yes. boys, go on, do some, some scouting. He's doing his thing. He's living his life. He is. Maybe he'll be here someday. Maybe he won't be. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll be here. Maybe I won't. Maybe you'll be here. Maybe you won't. Unless are are mm-hmm. you busy on Sunday? Now that's a game time decision. Oh, okay, we'll, we'll we'll find out then. Yes, man. So every team in the league has less than ten games left in their regular season. It's gone by quick this year. It really has. Uh, I still remember our preseason um, rankings, yeah, I, everything, and I, like. <laughs> I wish I crazy. could forget. I wish I could forget that. Actually, I'm wondering, do I have mine on my desktop? And I just maybe... remember the Calgary Flames prediction. I always remember that one. So I, I have, I, I've kept mine on my desktop. Would you like to hear my preseason predictions for the standings? Okay. So I had Tampa winning the division. Oh man, <laughs> I in the Atlantic, I had Tampa, Toronto, then Boston. At least the top three was pretty much right. Uh, then Ottawa, Florida, Detroit, Buffalo, then Montreal. So at least I'm right about Montreal in the top three, but that was pretty much a gimme. And then are they are no, the Panthers are ahead of Florida. In this. You sorry, no, they're the same team. The Florida are ahead of Ottawa now, are they? they yes, but it's getting worse. According to Alex Bob Brenner's tweets, you know, they're running out of time. Yeah, no, it's getting close for them. Uh, the Metro, I had Carolina winning. That's still possible. I had Pittsburgh second. Uh, tough. Then the Rangers, then Washington, then New Jersey, but they got some goaltending. Then Columbus, the Islanders, and Philly. I counted up the Islanders. That was a mistake. Oh, the Calgary Flames, who I had winning the Pacific. Not good. <laughs> then LA, Edmonton, Vegas, Vancouver, Seattle. I was wrong. Then Anaheim, San Jose. San Jose, at least. Again, free space. But And then the Central, I had Colorado, St. Louis, Nashville, Minnesota, then Dallas, then Winnipeg, Arizona, Chicago. Wow. Um, I really was not high on the Dallas Stars. Wow. I think um, it's because we thought they were it was nice of them to make it last year, but we didn't think that they were gonna build off that momentum. But Pete DeBoer, really man, built on them stuff. Yeah. He's been good. He's been a good we've doubted him a lot. I know that. Um, yeah, because he got out coached by an interim in the third round of the playoffs a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll see if it's good past this year. But you know what? You know who else has been really, really good speaking of Dallas and he started putting points up this year and should definitely be in the Norris conversation? Miro Heskinen. Yes. He's I think, on pace for career high 70 something points. I think I like the trajectory that we have with him right now is because when he came into the league, he, you know, he was technically the number one defenseman going into the 2017 draft and That's then Dallas so gets him. And it's like, he's amazing. You know, he makes it into the league really quickly, becomes a consistent guy. And I think it should have stayed like that if it wasn't for Kale McCarr. And then there's those comparisons right now yeah, that you know, yeah. came out of nowhere, not out of nowhere, but it's just Bobby Orr came out of university yeah, somehow and, in the 2020s. Yeah. And then he legit had like one of the best single seasons we've like ever seen from a player. And um, hey man, uh, but you know sometimes it just again it was just he was always good defensively, and then it was mm-hmm. just waiting for the production to really start, and and then boom, there we are. 
Okay, Daniel. Um, here's where we're gonna go today. We have a few things we're gonna talk about. Obviously, we always look at the wild card stuff, the wild card roundup. I want to talk about Winnipeg because they are in the news. I want to talk about on top of that, Pierre Luc Dubois because Friedman had some stuff going on. Quick note on the Toronto Six, and I want to talk about some Nintendo stuff. Um, we can't really talk about the Leafs because um, they haven't played. Nope. So it's tough. And in Montreal, I want to talk about Michael Pizzetta. And of course, last night they had their biggest loss of the season, which you absolutely love to see. To start, though, there is one team I did not talk about there, but this is what we're going to open the show with. Daniel, under Rick Tockett, the Vancouver Canucks are 16-9-3. There's hope. No, no, no. They're coming no. back. No. Here's, here's what it is. <laughs> I see a team that... First off, right now, they are even on points with the Blues, the same amount of games played. They are two points back of the cap of yeah, the Capitals. Vancouver are currently 24th, ninth last. They've completely destroyed their real lottery odds after stop me if you've heard this before, an abysmal start to the year, firing their coach and then going on a hot streak. On top of that. After the deadline, of course, Brock Besser, Connor Garland, and Cole are all still Vancouver Canucks. Don't forget they bought the deadline. So I ask, what has actually changed from last year? Nothing, because <clears throat> I think when um, Bruce Boudreau was fired or was let go, I think that should have signified, at least for me, that, okay, this team is going to go for the lottery. They're going to look at how loaded the top five is in this draft, and they're just going to continue the streak they're on because there's no reason to do anything else. And they proved me wrong once again because I do not understand the Philip Ronick acquisition. I don't understand holding on to so many guys. Like you, you mentioned Brock Besser. I think that's the guy that you, I think it's just for his own good, you should have traded him already at this point. The way he's been treated, the way he's been utilized on that team. I don't know. I, I, I don't know what they're trying to do there, trying to build there, because if it's about keeping talent, which I understand, why trade the draft picks? What I want to know is the exact terms. There's been whispers about whatever was happening between them and Pittsburgh, whether it was JT Miller, whether it is they wanted draft picks, which it sounds like they wanted a young center that makes you think, why were those two teams talking? Because those are not. The, those two teams are not one plus one equals two. And that's, it just doesn't seem to make sense. The pieces aren't there. So like, I just look back and I think I'm concerned that Vancouver, because it's Vancouver and I can only go off of what I've seen of this. Again, for only so long, can we say that this management group has only been there a year? Okay. It's nearly two seasons now. I am concerned that they're going to go into the offseason. They're going to do whatever they do and get rid of Tyler Myers' contract and all that type of stuff. And then I'm scared they're going to go into free agency. They're going to spend that money on someone. They're going to think because the West is just, especially the Pacific, is such a... I can't swear on this podcast, but my God, is it just a flaming trash bin right now? If they think that we're going to be healthy next year. We're going to have Thatcher Demko back because obviously he's missed a lot of this year. I think he's back now, but he's missed a lot of time. If they think, hell, we can go for it. I don't know if they're going to do that because obviously last year 
it was very vocal even to all of this season, Jim Rutherford being very vocal about we thought it was a fluke. We just had good goaltending. But then again, then why did you go into the offseason and sign Lillian McKayev and keep all your players? I just – I'm still not convinced about what direction Vancouver are going to go in, and I'm worried for them and their fans that they're just going to stay status quo in the offseason. Yeah, I think <clears throat> you've mentioned that the management's been there two years already. It's not like they're starting from the ground up. They already had the talent there. They just have to keep building on it in a positive way, and – I don't see any indication of it. I think that they weren't where they were supposed to be, but I think in terms of stability, in terms of what did you want to establish there, you know, they priced out their captain. I That's not a good look at all. When they signed everybody else except him, mm-hmm. um, they didn't add, I don't think, the right guys. <clears throat> I think Philip Pronick, he is a great defenseman when healthy, but that's just not a guy that you you spend on when you're tail spinning, you um, bought high on him too. Yeah, which I, I don't know. With and, the pick from the Horvat trade. Yeah. Why? It's confusing to me too because I, I'm trying to find some understanding of what they're doing, and I don't. Um, my biggest thing right now is this might be the same pattern we see over and over again until Quinn Hughes and Elias Pettersson hit the unrestricted free agency market. And they say, listen, you know, we want to win. We don't want to be the cornerstone guys if it doesn't mean that you're supporting us in the right way. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, look at how good Patterson was this year. And Quinn Hughes as well has been fantastic. Didn't he? Wasn't it something like he was the quickest defenseman in history or something into like 200 assists or something this year? Him and Patterson have been outstanding this year, really. And obviously, past couple of years, there were a lot of questions about if Elias Patterson was truly going to be this cornerstone player. It sounds crazy to say after this season, but there was an, oh, is he really going to be a center long-term? Those were questions being asked. And again, it was that rookie season between Hughes and McCarr was always like, okay, who's the better player? And then McCarr goes and he has, he has that great year winning the cup in the Norris last year at the Colin Smythe. And, and then Patterson just sort of, sorry, no, and then Hughes just wasting away in Vancouver. And it's just sort of, like, I, I can't help but think those guys think of, like, Hughes looks at the success of this player he's been tied to and sees, you know, I'm just kind of stuck here wasting away on a middling team. Patterson has to be thinking about his long term, and it's not like it hasn't been discussed in Vancouver media either about how long he, you know, how he feels about everything, despite whatever his agent may say publicly. I'm going to have my own questions about that. And then, I mean, and then there's the Dumco question. Because it's not for no reason that Elliot Freeman was talking about the possibility of him getting traded. It's just the question continues to be, what are they going to do? Because I'm just so confused and concerned about what they think of themselves internally. Mm-hmm. I hate to say it, but it's like story to keep an eye on. But I'm just I'm just concerned because they beat, I forget who was it, Chicago the other day. And then this thing of their record under talk came out there and I thought we could talk about it. But I'm just, I'm concerned. We had a good month not talking about the Canucks. We had to bring it back. We had to. Yeah, I think so. Because they're one of the most confusing teams I've ever looked at. Um, I, I like to mention also these two guys that have created that cornerstone. The guys who are doing their best. Quinn Hughes and Elias Patterson. I like to also, like, I guess, recall that these guys were kind of gifted to them in a way they were they dropped in the draft 
and then they developed pretty quickly for Vancouver. Mm-hmm. And I just, I just think that if you're going to keep doing this to the team, not really heading in one direction or not having a clear vision of what you want to do, again, you're taking, for, you're taking that for granted, the fact that they dropped for you in the draft. And here's one more thing, and the big question is um, because uh, as much as we criticize Alvin and Rutherford is, what is this stretch going to mean to Mr. Francesco Aquilini, the owner? Because at the end of the day, I mean, it's, it's also been talked about how involved is he really? And yeah. we'll see. We'll see. Um, always a headline or two in Vancouver and always content for us to talk about. So uh, I respect that about the Canucks, at least. They always uh, always have a little bit. Always of- something, yeah. Yeah, man. You know, we can do this weekly, but, you know, I, I like, the, I like the, the big stories on these things. Mm-hmm. I predict they're going to pick 11th this year. <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, that's a little disheartening, isn't it? Okay, let's talk about the Winnipeg Jets, another Canadian team that are in a bit of a tailspin right now. They're flying uh, low. They are. They're um, you know, like have you ever played GTA Five? Yeah. You know when like you don't like fly at the appropriate level near the military base and they shoot you down and like oh, yeah. that's after you. That's what's happening to the Jets right now. Okay, so <clears throat> excuse me, bear with me here. I got a bit of a setup to do. Okay, Tuesday night. That's last night for in case. Maybe it's the day before that, depending on when you're listening to this. I don't know. Um, the Winnipeg Jets were shut out 3 nothing by the San Jose Sharks, who prior to said loss were the worst team in the league. Now, this is significant for a few different reasons now. First off, the Calgary Flames the other day beat the LA Kings, a massive win for them. So the Western wildcard race has just been a flat-out embarrassing. Like, no one's grabbing you by the horns. It's just awful. So the Flyer beat the Flames. The Calgary Flames of this year are now just two points back of the Winnipeg Jets, but the games played are even at 75. Nashville are three points back of the Jets with two games in hand. Now, let's get into this because there was a lot after the game. Now, Daniel, you know I hate plus minus, and I think a lot of people do. Mm -hmm. However, I think something's worth mentioning here. The second worst goal differential in the Winnipeg Jets is minus 13 for Neil Pionk. Okay, defenseman plays a lot of minutes, fair enough. The worst, however, is minus 19. Do you know who that is? Is it Josh Morrissey? It's not Josh Morrissey, it's a forward. Uh, oh, it's, it's forward. Mar- it's Mark Shifley. Oh. The fifth worst, by the way, is at minus eight, and that's Blake Wheeler. Now, I'm going to go into some other numbers that are a bit more relevant and a bit more sexy. Now... Elliot Freeman talking about the whole Pierre-Luc Dubois stuff and them in Montreal apparently talking about the trade. We're going to get up to that later. But I do think that's a bit of a lit a fire under people, but I don't think Pierre-Luc Dubois has been nearly as bad. So I just want to talk about the fact here that this season he's currently at 25 goals and 58 points. He'll probably finish around 20-plus goals, well, he's done that already, around 60 points. That's exactly the type of player Pierre-Luc Dubois has been since he got into the league. Um, now, I think he's at two or three points in his last seven games. I think it's two goals. Not amazing, but definitely not part of the problem. And again, I don't like plus minus, but compared to those other two, he's a plus one. If you look at some of the negative players there, he's actually doing pretty well. Now, the reason I mentioned that, let's look at Blake uh, Wheeler and Mark Shifley. Mark Shifley does leave the Jets with three, uh, 38 goals. That's pretty freaking good. And he has three points more than Pierre-Luc Dubois. However, Mark Shifley has not scored in nine games. So, now, right. how many games do you think it's been since Blake Wheeler scored a goal? 14. 21. 
Oh my gosh, I undersold that. <laughs> now, let me read you some quotes. A lot of this is from Kevin Weaves' article on Sportsnet. I'm going to read you a little bit from it right now um, because this is a nice little bit. Uh, these are some quotes from Rick Bonus, head coach, after the, uh, the game. Well, I'd say we created enough scoring chances. The offense gave us a chance to win the game. We just didn't score. Then the inconsistencies with some of our players is hurting us. Um, some of these guys think they're giving us everything in their tank. They're dreaming. We have a lot of guys in there giving us everything they can. We just need a few more guys to jump on board. It's not over. We're still in eighth spot. We're going to find out what we're made of over the next little while. Um, continuing part of the article here. The truth serum was flowing for bonus, and he didn't stop there. When asked a follow-up question about how he can reach those players fighting with inconsistency, he basically said it was up to those guys to take a long, hard look in the mirror. Quote, how do you reach them? There comes a point when your personal pride has to take over. If someone has to go in there and point out to them, um, then there's a big problem right there. As I said, we're going to find out what we're made of, and we're going to find out what everyone in that room is made of over the next little while. Um, wow. That is a very telling. By the way, I, just to remind you, this is something else that Kevin Weaves points out. At one point in the season, this team was 29 and one. You know what's weird? It sounds exactly like the team from last year with Palmeries that they're struggling right towards the end to make the playoffs to try to just sneak in there or waiting on the big guys to come back and do something about it. But I think they're running out of time. The inconsistency is there. And I think for so much, we talk about Pierre Luc Dubois and what's going to be the future for him, what's going to happen with that. I think we really have to continue to look at what about Mark Shifley and especially Blake Wheeler. What is he now? He's like going to be 38. Um, he was drafted in 2004. I'll double check that quickly. I don't know if he's, if Blake Wheeler's that old, but I think he's definitely, he has to be at least 34. He's 36. He'll be 37 in August. Okay. Okay. That was one off, but mm-hmm. Yeah, like if you're going to still expect that player to be at that level for like I even anyone who is in I think his prime years like these we, we've seen these cold streaks before and I I don't know the Jets have to do something if they want to continue this because I really do like the defensive core. I think for everything that has happened with them with free agency the past few years they they built it back pretty well. And I don't want them to waste Connor Hellebuck. I think he's a fantastic. No. He's 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 bleeding me right now in fantasy. <laughs> like the last few games, I'm not gonna be, I'm gonna be honest. He's, he's, I, he's Daniel. Daniel, you've had Linus Allmark the whole year. I don't feel bad for you at all. Okay. Um. And it, it's just it's just one of those really great goalies that I don't think you're giving him what he needs. Um. No. We talked about it too in his Vesna year. He was burnt out by the time he they got into the playoffs. I don't think they've really addressed that too much. Um, yeah, just a lot of money on that team, but not a lot of scoring consistently. Well, forget Wheeler's age for a second here, because you gave him eight point two million. That was Patrick Line's money. Let's not get around that. I the moment that contract was signed, I remember thinking, "Well, there goes Patrick Line," and then you look what happened. Um. Not to mention, like this is the guy who was stripped the captaincy. Like you gotta think about that for a second. And it all started so well. I remember seeing Jets fans saying, like, 
really standing up for Shifley, and maybe he was really turning around, turning around in his two-way game, and that seems to have just disappeared. Um, listen, they need they need a reset so badly, and at this point, seeing the results in the effort of Shifley and Wheeler, maybe it wasn't just a Paul Maurice thing, because mm-hmm. now we're seeing with Rick Bonus. There is one question I have, and I'm starting to think maybe this is an, is a, is an organizational thing. Because for the life of me, I need to know why Nick Ehlers is not being played as much. He was averaging like 13 or 14 minutes. Like, like that's something I, I need someone to answer me for. Like, why do these why does this team hate Scandinavian skill players? Oh, yeah. He's like they're leading one of the isn't he like basically one of their leading scorers this last stretch? And he's getting less minutes than Cal Connor. He only thirteen fifty of ice time, including five shifts in the second period. From this article, um, I'll get. I have their stats up here. Um, he's hurt, so he was hurt, obviously. So he's not up there. Um, let's just go to total scores because yeah, he's got thirty one points in the thirty nine games he's played. Um, I'll check his game logs quickly. Um, at least NHL.com gets those up quick enough, even though the whole site's a bit uh, questionable. So he hasn't scored in his last three games. Then he was last fourth when he had a goal. But it's it's hard to get on a guy for not producing like that when you don't play him. Um, and it's been such a long-term issue. So, I mean, in his last one, two, three, four, five, in his last six games, he's got two goals. But he, in those games, oh my God, Daniel. I'm He hasn't played more than 18 minutes in a game since March 8th. Oh my gosh. That's just not enough. Like, there's a game where he got 13 minutes here. So, like, he's a good player, and he's still, even if lately he hasn't been, been producing like the rest of the team, um, it's clearly a guy who you're just not playing enough. Like, that's just, there's no reason. Everyone knows how good he is. And the fact that he is, what's his average ice time here? I'm trying to find it. Um, but the fact that it's that low is just not acceptable. Plus, Right now, he's at a 7% shooting percentage, and his career is like 11%. So that's also a pretty well sign that he's having a down year, even if he's nearly like one of their top scorers still. Yeah. So play him more. I know he's injured, so, but yeah, when there's the opportunity. So let's also look at another thing here. So Marco D'Amico, who obviously covers the Habs, had a nice little article. So we'll go talk about Pierre Luc Dubois because obviously the big thing is I think we're all pretty much sure that he's going to be a Montreal Canadian. We know that's going to happen, right? Mm-hmm. So think of it like this, Daniel. This is the situation that uh, Marco puts out there. So the Canadians have one option up their sleeve that they can do to really hamper the Winnipeg Jets. But it is a term that I think Habs fans everywhere are scared of. And you're going to know why I mention it now. They can offer sheet Pierre Luc Dubois. Now, <laughs> if you do it at a reasonable number, I think Marco had it like six or seven-ish or something around there. So, okay, let's say the Jets go out and they take the compensation, right? Okay, they're going to get some draft picks for him depending on the level of, of the AAV of the deal, right? That's not a big problem. If the Montreal Canadiens don't sort of like what they're trying to give up. You know what I mean, right? It's either if you mm-hmm. like the package you're getting now or we're going to offer you as a number and the compensation is going to be enough. I, I don't know. Okay, we can see that. 
On the other side of things, this is something the Canadians could sort of hamper the Jets by. Because if the Winnipeg Jets decide to not take the offer sheet, sorry, if they decide to match it, then they can't trade Pierre-Luc Dubois for a year, which would then walk him to UFA without them being able to trade him, which would basically then stop any other team from being able to talk to him about trades and maybe extensions, which would stop the 5% chance of him going anywhere else, which I still don't. I don't. Like He's just going to be a have, but if the Jets really, really, really want to play hardball on this whole thing, realistically, the Canadians can just offer sheet. No, I think you, know, you have this... to be careful in potentially giving up a first round yeah. for him. So, you know, depending, because next year I expect the Canadians to still be bad. But if they wanted to be really, really sneaky about this, they could do that. You know what this sounds exactly like right now? What? Phil Kessel and the like... Leafs with going from Boston. Because remember um, Brian Burke, he outlined it in his book where he's like, went up to Peter Schreier. like, listen, Peter, yeah, if you yeah. don't trade me Kessel, I'm going to offer sheet him tomorrow. Man, he's the best. So they could do that. And here's the thing. This is a concern I had because obviously the cock and Emmy offer sheet still stings, right? Now, signing an offer sheet and going to Carolina is one thing. But if we know something else, the worst city to sign in, and we know this for a fact, the one place players do not want to go to is Winnipeg. So mm-hmm. let's say... The, the Pierre-Luc Dubois deal somehow gets done before Caulfield, right? Then the Jets are like, let's go offer she Cole Caulfield. Is he really want to go from Montreal to Winnipeg? You really think that's going to happen? So there's an advantage there for any team, really, if they really, really wanted to pick on Winnipeg. I mean, they probably wouldn't because the NHL are, they're afraid to sort of step on anyone's shoes, but it's I am as well right now. You know, I don't know who's listening. I don't want to say anything about Winnipeg. Uh... <laughs> We'll see, but I understand it's it is a sticky situation right now. I don't think the Jets. I think we we mention a lot sometimes of other teams where like they have to keep the ball rolling to get the fans in, and I think sometimes I I do still think about that with Winnipeg. I know it's been more than ten years since they returned, so I don't think like that early enthusiasm, despite the the losing years will continue to sustain them. But I think they're a team like Nashville you've mentioned where they still have to go for it despite the fact they sold at the deadline. Um, I think with the Jets, if they keep sinking deeper into not being at the, you know, basically a non-playoff team going forward, that's, I think that's even going to hurt it even more of their marketability to players wanting to go there. Mm-hmm. Listen, Winnipeg. And I think, isn't Shifley up this year too? There is, I can go check that. Yeah, because listen, it doesn't look good for them right now. It does not look good for them right now. Um, because if this ends poorly and Shifley leaves, and like at, at that point, Hellebuck's probably going to want out. Then they're almost going to have to be forced to go into a rebuild or whatever. Because I mean, then who do you still have? Yeah. You know, you know, you still have, sorry, I should be obviously you still have like Perfetti and you still have Connor and that, but. Okay, so I have the information up. You want to hear it? Sure. Okay, so they still have... So Blake Wheeler, Mark Trifley are, have one more year after this year. Oh, were they still have another year? Really? Yeah. yeah, and then... Yeah, Pierre-Luc Dubois after this year, RFA. Um, 
you know, they're not really the thing is after the next year, they have to really worry about things because that's when they all become UFAs. You know, Near Rider as well. I know that's not the biggest name there, but you know, four million off the books. And then they're only gonna really have Cal Connor until 2026, and then they're gonna have Nick Ehlers for one more year in 2025. Ah. And for their defense, um, it's really only Josh Morrissey and then two or three, two more years of Nate Schmidt and Neil Pionk. So here's the big question. Um, how old is Connor Hellebuck? He is 29. Uh, what's his contract like right now? He's a UFA after 2024. Uh, so he has to, so for the sake of, of Connor Hellebuck's prime and really going to win, AKA the rest of this contract, he really has to think about looking at the past couple of years and how this offseason could shape out for the Jets. He has to really think about it. And if he wants to go, it doesn't matter if you still have all those other guys we met. So being there, if you still have Perfetti gone or not, because mm-hmm. without Hellebuck, you're screwed. You're, you're screwed. Yeah. You're not competing in the central without a goalie like that. Like you're just, you're just not going to. So they... They have no one in the system either. Like I'm looking at their goalies right now. Nobody. Well, I mean, even if they did, it's not they get Tyler Keller Hellebuck. Yeah. Unless they go out and try and get Carter Hart. Mm. We know there's going to be some sort of goalie carousel in the offseason. Two articles have starting to be written about it, but there we go, man. There we go. Yeah. Um, so really, if you want to go for it for this team, it's either this year or next year. And you're not winning this year because no. you're just not might not make the playoffs to begin yeah, with. Yeah, you're not you're fighting with the flames to stay in the playoffs, right? That's no one wants to be there. And not to mention, I mean, you have to beat an Eastern team if you miracle run your way to the finals anyway. And I don't I don't I only see like Vegas or maybe Colorado somehow beating a team in the East. Edmonton, just a Stuart Skinner scaring me a little bit. They cannot do I trust him in the in the playoffs mm-hmm. against one of those teams? So yeah, like the Jets aren't gonna make any like they man, I don't envy Shevel Dayov. I don't envy him. No. This may be the end know. of the core. We'll be, we don't know. Two I years. mean, maybe it's time for Chevy to go too. Not that he, he shouldn't really have a job right now to be in with, but I mean he got a little lucky that his name wasn't mentioned a ton in that report. Yeah. But um, let's finish off with talking about the Canadians and then we'll do the wild card roundup and then some other right. quick things. Uh, so first off, we'll go a couple of days ago. We're going to go back to the Canadians uh, before the Philly game because I want to talk about Michael Pizzotta, Daniel. So okay. I don't know what it is. So there is the Buffalo Sabres. The playoffs are not looking likely at all. And in the shootout they had against the Canadians the other, the other day, it was described on Twitter as, there was all you could cut the tension with a knife on the Sabres bench. And the Canadians were basically yucking it up on theirs to the point that the shootout was going, I think it was six or seven shooters deep. The Habs sent out not only Mike Matheson, but but with all respect, Jonathan Kovacevic had an attempt. And then eventually Michael Bezetta goes out, <laughs> scores, and then does the Tiger Williams riding the stick celebration for the win. Um the rest of the game does not matter to me, nor do I yeah. think is very relevant for the Canadians. But I just want to talk about that. The video of the locker room afterwards, like this is a team who's in fifth last. And I just kind of help, like can't help and mention just how 
they're actually enjoying playing right now. They, they, when was the last time you saw a bottom feeder like this pull out, like one of their depth players of all respect, even though Pizzetta has grown so much this season, mm-hmm. is going to go pull a move like this and they're that happy at the end of the season like this before. I don't remember a lot of bottom feeding teams being like this. I, it's funny. I could think of not a shootout one, but I think of guys actually liking to be around each other and playing for the team. And I think it's the Buffalo Sabres after trading Jack Eichel. I think that's the <laughs> biggest example. I love you. I love how you didn't just say the Sabres last year. You were just like the Sabres after Jack Eichel got traded. Yeah, basically. I think that that's the type of culture you ha- you need in a team, even if you're a bottom feeder, moving forward to become a better team and actually being around guys that you like. Um, I think Montreal is getting to that point. Uh, when I first saw it, I knew there was going to be a reaction to Michael oh, Pozzetta's yeah. celebration. But listen, like this is probably the only time we're going to see this guy get an opportunity like that in a game. Oh, even... Something. Even he didn't believe it. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think he, he was like, like, here's the thing. It was because at some point you're kind of like, okay, so who normally goes in the shootout? Suzuki always goes. Duran would go. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, okay, Caulfield, wait, he's hurt. Joss Anderson, he's hurt. Okay. Dvorak had some, he's hurt. <laughs> and you're, you're literally, you're thinking to yourself, who do they have? Harvey, Harvey Pinard, I don't even think got to go. Um, and he's, even though he's sort of the full Kira right now. Mm-hmm. But he like he didn't go and like you're, you're just like you're like two defensemen have gone. They never go in the show unless maybe like I don't know like Eric Carlson probably not to me like the shootouts already enough of a crapshoot. But yeah. I mean, listen, I'm I loved it. It's fun. They yeah. lose the next game against Philly, which was a four point loss. Like that's huge for the lottery odds. They like, listen. It's weird that it isn't as exhausting watching this team like it was under Dom Ducharme. But I'm not going to lie, Daniel, I'll be happy when the season's over and I can just enjoy the playoffs with like without like it isn't this stress of just hoping they're going to get a good lottery pick anymore and I can just enjoy the playoffs without like any dogs in the fight except my first round bet that the Leafs are going to beat Tampa with Christopolis, but Oh, what's the uh wager? Uh $35. Why 35? Well, Why not 40? Why not 30? Well, because I had a bet with Will Baldwin for the same thing last year, and I obviously I lost last year, I think, to Justin Hall setting that pick. Yeah. Um, and Chris was like, I went on, I want in on that. But the one I had with Baldwin last year was the Leafs were going to make the finals. Um, oh, okay, okay. But so this year I'm like, no, we're just doing Tampa. And at first he was, he wanted like this wine. I'm like, I'm going off of the thing I got Baldwin, which was $35. So I said, I'll get him like this wine he wants at 35 And if I win, he's getting me 35 equivalents of the Nintendo eShop. Or the, I should say the, the, the Switch eShop, because the 3DS and the Wii U one is now closed. Uh, rest in peace. Mm-hmm. Thank you for everything. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's basically $35. <laughs> okay. okay. Yeah. yeah, I understand. Um, it's kind of like having a bookend. To this season, um, looking at we, we talked about we looking at the growth, looking at what could have been, uh, not really could have could have been what was exactly there that we saw, and as the season went, and brighter days are ahead. But again, I think we we talked about so much about the smart moves that Molson did last year that I applauded already. 
I don't think you had to do too many changes this year. You you need the growing pains of the young guys of a new young captain, for example, Nick Suzuki. And do you mean just, can, do you mean Hughes? Because you said Malton. Oh yes, I mean yeah, Hughes. Sorry, I meant like hey, Malton overall, brought those guys in the major. Yeah, that's what I meant. Like I meant like the management right. and yeah. the coaching. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um. You know, I think the heavy lifting for that is already done. And I think in the offseason, that's when you really assess. So I think with Montreal, just just finish off the season. Eventually, you get to a point where as much as they're fun to watch and they've got heart, you get kind of sick of watching a fifth worst team in the league where you're like, you know, I can watch them and then I'll watch the abs. I'm like, yo, this is elite hockey. And you kind of you think, oh, man, maybe they'll be this one day. Oh, it's a, it's a painful experience. You have to have hope. Experience. Yeah, believe. man. Well, so here's okay. So here's what's funny. So you reminded me about this actually because I meant to bring it up and I almost forgot. So the season ticket holders actually got in the low in their and the they're in the the campaign going around that was basically to re up in your season tickets. Um, I guess Mr. Uh, Marty Saint Louis is emulating. Mr. John Tortorella in more ways than one because he had a little letter and I'll read it out here. It has been, but it has now been a year since I've had the honor of being named the head coach of the Montreal Canadiens. And not a day goes by that I, um, that I don't think of myself. Oh my God. Why can I not that Alex? No, you're not Alex. Daniel, damn. Let me try this again. It has been a year since I've had the honor of being named the head coach of the Montreal Canadiens. And not a day goes by that I don't think of myself how privileged I am to be leading my childhood team. I, I read that properly. I just, Marty. Um, I have mentioned it, mentioned it a few times, but getting back to the top of the standings won't happen overnight. There's a process that takes time and hard work that will inevitably result in success. I am fortunate to be surrounded by a group of extremely passionate people, and together uh, we will make every effort to achieve this goal. On the ice, our team uh, is made of a core group of extremely talented players, I am very proud of the process and the efforts of our team made this season. We want to have a talented, committed, hardworking group of players that we can count on for several years to come, and we are heading in the right direction. The Bell Center is the most, one of the most electric and intimidating uh, places for uh, a player to play. I've experienced it as a player in the enemy camp, and now I get to witness it every time I stand behind the bench, this time on the right side. Our legendary atmosphere draws envy across the league and we owe it to all our passionate fans who fill the bell center game after game we are privileged and grateful and do not take it for granted on behalf of the entire organization i would like to say thank you for your loyalty and continued support as a season ticket holder in both victory and defeat we have many great years ahead and i look forward to having you alongside us um the reason i wanted to read that is i like it I mean, first off, the man has a way with words. Remember the speech at the draft? That was awesome. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I wanted to mention it because it's basically the coach echoing the same sentence that Ken Hughes has said, like we want to build a team that's competitive for a period of time, not just for a year or two. Um, and, you know, as a fan, you recognize that, but, God, it's just sometimes waiting is hard. Like, listen, they could get Connor Bedard, they could get Adam Fantilli, they could get Matt Vaynichkov, they could get Leo Carlson, they could get Will Smith. I love not that, that Will, Will Smith. Smith, not the one slapping <laughs> people at the Oscars. Not the catcher on the Dodgers. No, no, I didn't even know that was a dude, but, you know, that the other Will Smith. And that's not going to fix the rebuild right away. So it's just being patient, but at the same time, it's like, I think I'll enjoy my summer. And, um, yeah. And yeah. 
And just hopefully next year everyone's freaking healthy and I can watch Stavkovsky play a full year and Caulfield hit 40 goals and announced his, his contract, please, God damn it. You know um, where the Habs are right now? Where? Um, at this point of the uh, the rebellion, they're in uh, Rogue One, but a new hope is coming. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, first off, shout out the Toronto Six. They win the chip. Yes. I wanted to mention this for one reason. I want to give a shout out to someone we've had on the show, uh, Richard Coffey. Um, you know, obviously a guy from our from from TMU. I must call it the other name. You can't say that anymore. Um, it's the best when professors do a double take too, and they're like, oh, it's not Ryerson anymore." Um, uh, obviously, I think Richard's been on there doing their social media stuff. Um, he even he had the Isabel Cup, and that it's just really happy for him. I DM'd him. I'm like, "Congrats, my friend." Uh, like that, that's seriously really really cool. Like he gets to be in the team picture and everything. Yeah, got amazing. to hold the cup. Like that's awesome. So shout out to them. And shout out to Richard. Um, yes. I, I I passingly mentioned the Nintendo eShop was gone, but before we go to the wild card round to finish the show, there is something more important than hockey that we need to mention. Officially, Bass Ketchum is now gone from the Pokemon anime. Um, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You didn't know this? I didn't know that. What? Yeah, he's, he's gone. <laughs> They're bringing new protagonists. His story oh. is ended. How do you feel? Man, I haven't watched the Pokemon anime since I was like in elementary school, but like, mm-hmm. you know, you keep up with it. Um, I watched the last scene that he's in, and I'm not gonna lie, I got emotional. This is like, dude, I grew up with. Um, you know, like, um, shows, for example, um, I mean, like, Save by the Bell, they had the college years, like, mm-hmm. spinoff. Yeah. They speak like the Ash Ketchum, the, the adult years. I mean, he had like 1,200 episodes of an anime. I don't know if he needs, no, it's just these new kids. It's, they're still bringing a Pikachu in that because you can't oh, okay. get rid of yeah. Pikachu. It's not the same Pikachu, but it was just, it's just, it's emotional, man. The guy's been around since before I was born. It's, it's hard to think of the anime without Ash Ketchum and yeah. his Pikachu. Of course, again, there will be a Pikachu because he's the mascot. You can't get rid of Pikachu as much as you want to, but uh, I can. no, it's wild. Yeah, that's though, weird. It? I actually have to process that too. Cause it's like, I don't know. I think, I mean, okay, this is weird. Weird comparison, but I always associate Ash the way I associate like The Simpsons, where it just it's just ongoing. No matter like I know The Simpsons, the quality's dropped a bit, in my opinion, for the new episodes. A, a bit, okay. Okay, That's I'm trying to be nice. Yeah, but. I don't know it's it's weird to me like oh we're just gonna end it here I know that's eventually gonna happen for any show but it's just weird with Ash because I know there's different characters in Pokemon or different ways you can take it but he's always been there yeah it's like whether Misty left the show or Brock left the show or it was always Ash was always there with Pikachu man well, if like- I could go back to like when I was six years old you know I have to tell my younger self so many things Ash is not gonna be there forever well, the Mighty least, Ducks won't be mighty when you he, get older. He went out with a bang, though. He won. Yeah. The, he's we won his titles, and at the end, he's like, they he gets asked, he's like, so you're a champion, you're a Pokemon, yeah, master yet? And they, man, they, they pull the friends we made along the way thing, and like, there's a scene when him and Pikachu are like under this tree towards the end of the episode, and it's raining. It's like mirroring the first episode, um, and he like tells Pikachu, he's like, my my dream of being a Pokemon master is. To be friends with all Pokemon. And it's kind of cheesy, but it's still so freaking sweet. Like, it's still so heartwarming. It's just, it's really, really sad. I'm sure he'll be back one day because yeah. it's Ash. 
But it's it's seriously, it's the end of an era, man. You, um, you know what's weird to me? What? Um oddly it reminded me of when Mark Recchi retired. <laughs> Catch him? Yes, because he he kind of bridged things. Because remember he was with the Penguins with Yager and Lemieux. He was with the Canadians, and then he was with the Flyers. And then he bridges that for the early 90s to winning it in 2011. And then that's when he says he's going to go out on top. Mm-hmm. So maybe it's like that. Maybe Ash Ketchup, Mark Recchi. There we go. Uh, good night, sweet prince. Um, I hope maybe we'll see you one day. Okay, uh, wild card roundup. I explained okay. earlier the point spread between Nashville, Calgary, Winnipeg. I will add Winnipeg in the second wild card spot. Seattle is three points ahead of them with two games in hand. Um, okay, so are you first off? Are we both in agreement that the first wild card team will be Seattle? Yeah, I'm in agreement with that. I think it's they've solidified it. So okay, if we go to the second one. Does Winnipeg hold on? Do the Flames take them, or do Nashville surprise everyone? Oh my! my I'm saying Nashville. I'm I'm going. I'm going with my original answer really? I had three weeks ago. I'm going to go with the the Preds. I think they have more to fight for. I think there's been too much attrition right now in Winnipeg and Calgary, and there's not enough time to bounce back from that. Um, I feel like I change my answer every week um, because it's just been such a crapshoot. Um, oh God. Um, I want Dubois to be nice and fresh for when he's a hab next year, so hopefully the Jets don't make it. Um, I don't want Calgary to make it because I'm not up. I'm still not over Markstrom screwing my fantasy season. By the way, Daniel, shout out to you and I are probably battling for third next year because McDavid's just oh, lifting Alex past me, and it's not even funny. Um, hopefully you come back versus Scott, but I don't want to have to play him in in the third place match. So, um. Yeah, I'm not over Markstrom, so I don't want to give it to them. So for argument's sake, I'll say UC Soros somehow leads Nashville into the playoffs. And he then again. Uh, yeah, and then maybe, <laughs> yeah. maybe somehow between now and then, um, Colorado. No, nah, they're Vegas or two ahead with points. I was gonna say maybe Nashville have to play Colorado again. And yeah. then maybe they, they lose in six games instead of four. But uh, yeah, I'll oh, screw it. We'll say Nashville. Okay, going to the east, it's a bit more interesting. Um, the divisional spots, as we know, are pretty set. Here's how it's looking. Um, oh, God. The Islanders, they're at 85 points. The Pens are three points behind them, a game in hand. Panthers are a game behind uh, – sorry, game in – I'm awful. Uh, Florida have also played 74 games, same to yeah. Pittsburgh, but they are three points back. The Sabres are five points back of the uh, Penguins with a game in hand. Who do you have making it? I'm just going to say the Islanders because I'm going to stop trying to count them out. And mm. I don't, I don't know what the Panthers, man. I just, I don't see them putting enough together. This could change next episode because it's a, it's a crapshoot. But I'll say Crosby and I'll say the yeah. Islanders. Yeah, I think we're getting to a point now where it's going to stay as it is with the Penguins and the Islanders. Um, I don't think Florida has anything left in them at least for this time to make a huge run from it sorry alex bob gardner um the sabers i think valued effort but they'll be there next year same thing with ottawa i think that they did what was expected of them um they went out and improved but jacob chickering is probably out for the season and the status quo is as it is right now with that team 
Listen, I want the Panthers to make it so then Alex can enjoy it. Baumgartner can enjoy a playoff run and getting to enjoy that, but I just don't think it's going to happen. Um, yeah. And, and Bobrovsky has let me down in the fantasy. Um, By the so- way, we didn't mention the Capitals. Like, when is the last time they missed the playoffs? Like 2014, it, I think. Was it the off year where Ovi only scored 30 or something and everyone's like, oh, there it is. And I think it's 20. Go ahead. I'm thinking 2014 because they was a took, long time ago, man. They took Jacob Verana 13th, so that was like their last lottery pick, right? I uh, I believe you. It's been it's been a hot minute. The, yeah. What's that like? Almost a decade ago. Yeah. And I mean, if the Pens don't, and it was the last time the Pens and Caps both uh, both miss. Um, I think that's 2006. That was like Crosby's rookie. Nice no, rookie, but like that was the f- yeah 2006 was like. The, when, was Lemieux still in the league the last time the Pens missed the playoffs? Because they had the longest active streak of making it, don't they? Yeah, like um, yeah, he was for like the first few games playing with Crosby, and then he retired. And then two thousand seven, they lost to the the Sens, who went to the finals, and the, so they lost in the first round. And then two thousand eight, exactly. Well, yeah, when they went to the finals the first yeah. time. Yeah, so it might be two thousand. Yeah, two thousand six. That's insane. That's crazy. Um, well, that's it. Um, maybe we're we'll all going to be here on Sunday. You never know. We'll see. Yeah. I actually maybe the crazy busy. time of the year. I actually don't think of is the second on Sunday. Yes, that's the second. I mean, I'll be here. I, okay. It's my I'm, brother's birthday. Happy birthday, Adam's brother. Yeah. Um. um yeah, I'll see because I'm covering the BioSteel All Star basketball games. So. Cool. Or no, all star, all Canadian games. So it's kind of like you know the McDonald's All American. No, but I I think I know what you mean. Yeah. Okay. Um, ch- you know, check out the show wherever you listen to your podcast. I actually don't know what's the point of saying that because people are already listening on a platform right now. But it's appreciated if you check us out in any platform. We always and leave love a that. reading. Yes. Um, Good and one, all that please. kind of stuff. Like on YouTube and all that kind of gubs. Um, Jesus Christ, I forgot about my other alarm. Because I have class in 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. Online. Oh, Daniel. Um, now we got to go figure out the name of the episode and all that. And then we can send it we to will. Alex. Thank you for listening. And we will see you later. Goodbye.